Andrew Crystal with you. This is Crystal National Channel 167, Sirius XM. Hope you're having a great January so far. 2022 started off with a bang. But we're going to take a break from world politics, American politics, and talk about something that's close to home and fun. Joining us live from Montreal is the commander of your tech report, heard weekends here on Sirius XM, Canada Talks, Mark Aflalo. And we're going to talk about and take you to Las Vegas. Nothing better than going to Vegas on a cold January day in Canada. The Consumer Electronics Show, one of the biggest tech shows in the world, just uh, had its curtain recently and mark was on the scene and let's talk about all of the new great gadgets that canucks do not need mark how are you sir i'm good yourself mr mr crystal i'm good i'm good good to take a break from the politics Um, tell me about things that drive us crazy tell me about it whether it's uh, peter mansbridge was talking about the quebec tax on the unvaccinated we're not going to do that we're going to do something light and fun for you right now. Consumer Electronics Show. It is a great show. You've been there many times, I know. Tell us how this year was and about this car that changes color, sir. Okay, well, well first of all, i got to tell you, the experience this year was uh, kind of surreal because a lot of people were backing out at the last minute. Not only people who are attending the show, but a lot of exhibitors, some of the big names, even the Microsofts of the world, and uh, some of the big names are backing out. So the result was a great show for those people who were there because it wasn't this crowded fest of you know, back-to-back people thanks to COVID measures. It was actually quite a relaxing time in Las Vegas. So it was a good opportunity to actually get handsy with some of these products, including the BMW that you refer to. That is, uh, it's so funny when a car and technology kind of catches your attention and that's what you walk away from with. You you, you get this impression that, you know, my God, did you see that color changing car? When really at the end of the day, all that was was just a a BMW X3 that had a, a skin put on it that was much like the likes of those e-ink displays that we use, like the Kindles and the e-readers. And all it does is it goes from a gray to a dark gray, and suddenly the color is changing of this car. And that's what everybody is talking about, the way in which they animate these basic screens that are on this car, including you. This is your highlight. So uh, is this going to be something that we actually see? Is this Because I know that what happens is, They'll show you concepts, uh, ideas for products, consumer products, and some of them are impractical, never make it from the concept stage to the actual production uh, and design stage. But it excites people about the show, and it it gets people talking, gets people thinking, and it leads to other product buys. So some things are just done for flash, and some things are, this is what's coming. The future is today, and it's coming your way. Is this something that we're actually going to see cars that can change color by the flip of a switch, Mark Aflalo? It actually is. It is definitely going to be there. And this was an interesting show by BMW because they pulled out their major presence at the show. And this was the way they were present at the show by parking these cars in front of different entrances and showing people what the technology can do. And the, the cool thing is what it's made out of. It's really just flexible screen technology. So it's a high-grade plastic that has, you know, when you, you give it a certain amount of uh, energy conductivity, it changes color. And and this is only on a grayscale point of view, but there is a lot of other companies, and there are a lot of other companies that are working on this on a full gamut, the RGB spectrum. And we'll be able to not only color change the cars, but actually turn the car into this giant screen, which which 
really kind of reminds me of a, of a James Bond movie from uh, several years ago where he was, you know, floating around on that Austin Martin on the middle of an ice, an ice hotel, and it, it went invisible. And this is the kind of technology that it reminded me of because it had this kind of triangular design. But this is definitely one of those things that we are going to see come to vehicles. It probably will take... I would say another three to five years before we would see it commercially available, only because the cost of the film and these these flexible screens are still pretty high. We're seeing them appear on, you know, curved phones and these folding phones. But when it comes to a vehicle application, it needs to be not only, you know, bulletproof in terms of the actual technology point of view, but it needs to be, you know, withstand the test of time. So it's something that we're definitely going to see come to fruition, much like some of the other tech I saw on display, Andrew. I mean, I saw a gaming desk that was, uh, you know, designed to take away the traditional, oh, you got to build a computer and plug this in here and plug that in there. You just take a module and you pop it into a little slot on a desk and suddenly that is made available to a consumer to use uh, as a gaming device. You know, that's the type of thing that we're seeing people just kind of want to prove a concept and then we'll see where it goes. But the e-ink display on these cars are definitely something we're going to see come down the road. And we'll be able to see soon uh, cars that are um, actually can be invisible. Uh, I mean, not that it would be practical to have an invisible car unless, of course, you're not proud of it or you don't like it. But they are able to, this technology exists in theory, they will be able to do it at some point. Also, the military will, of course, use it first. And uh, it doesn't show up on radar, doesn't have a big radar signature, and is invisible. Those things are going to be coming. I don't think they're effective for consumer vehicles. Certainly the police wouldn't like them. The police are certainly aren't going to like cars that can change color. Um, <laughs> what else did you see? What else did you see? at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas that turned your crank and will turn ours. Um, it's hard to escape a, a Consumer Electronics Show and not talk about what we're seeing down the road with TV's technology. I mean, TCL is one of these companies that used to be this lower cost but decently specced out televisions. You know, you can get yourself a nice 4K TV for under $700. Well, now they're announcing these new 98-inch XL TVs with QLED technology, super bright, uh, over 240 hertz, which means that when you're watching that puck fly by on your TV, you can actually see all the details of this. Super, super thin and super light all in a package that's going to be super inexpensive. And when I'm talking about inexpensive, think about a 98-inch TV that comes in under the $2,000 mark. Unheard of if you think of television technology. And this is a brand from TCL. And what they're doing is they're not only pushing the envelope, but they're forcing the other manufacturers, the Sonys of the world, the Samsungs of the world, the LGs of the world, to really up their game when it comes to their screen technology, but lower the price at the same time. And it's funny that I bring this up this week, because this week is actually the 15th anniversary of the unveiling of the of the first iPhone. And I was having this conversation, and you'll, you'll hear it on this week's show, um, with, with my co-host Mitchell. We were talking about how everything in technology today, probably about 95% of it, you can go back and you can map that somehow to that announcement of that iPhone in 2007. 2007, right? Yeah, 2007. 2007 I when we saw out. that first mm -hmm. touchscreen display. And now we're seeing, you know, the, this ripple effect of all this work that's been done on the mobile side make its way to many other consumer devices. Okay, now that you're on talking about, like, the remembrance of things past, the introduction of the iPhone all those years ago in 2007, Peter Mansbridge was talking about the BlackBerry. And I remember listening to his show 
and he was talking about the fact that he owns all of the blackberries that he bought. Now, I don't. I wish I'd have kept them all. Me too. I wish I kept them. I've now, um, I don't know how many folks listening to me now will relate to this, but I am faster on the QWERTY raised keyboard than I have ever been on the digital touch screen. I have the latest and greatest Apple, whatever it is, the large, the large one, the, the best one they have out I have now. Uh, it was the first Apple I've owned. I was all BlackBerry before. But the BlackBerry is officially dead. Well, the BlackBerry kind of we know it's it. It's bit the biscuit. Yeah, the BlackBerry it, the it, way it, we know it is dead, right? I mean, the 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 official QWERTY keyboard and the whole back-end infrastructure, is, it's gone. But the name is still going to live on. I mean, TCL has the rights and have been making BlackBerry phones that are basically just Android phones with the BlackBerry name on it and that keyboard. They're not making them anymore, though. They were making them yeah. with the raised keyboards. Those are the key two. Is There's no key three. I think we're going to see key something. Key two is the last I think phone. we're going to see something come in the next couple of years. I think you're really? going to see so a Really? You think BlackBerry will have a renaissance, a rebrand, or a I reboot? Th- I think we're going to see a, a reemergence of that keyboard technology. I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that patent come back in some way, shape, or form. Because I, I, I remember, mean, I love it, too. I remember when I was covering uh, Rob Ford at City Hall in Toronto for uh, City News, I remember asking my City Hall reporter compatriots about the race keyboard versus the digital. And all of them, to a man and woman, said, yes, I was faster on the race keyboards than I was on the digital screen. I see some people like lightning on the digital screen. I'm still a bit ham-handed with that, ham-thumbed. I'm just not as fast as I was on the on the black on the race keyboard. Do you think though, I, after I just, after transitioning to that digital keyboard, do you think even now, after however long it's been since you've been on that QWERTY keyboard, do you think you're still you'd still be faster going back? It would take some readjustment, but I think I would be faster. I mean, the um, some of the prompts are very good. Like the intuitiveness of the uh, program that Apple has is very good, so you're yes. able to cheat words. But uh, no, I, I'm faster on the you know pressing the button. Uh, you know you have to hit it with the point of your finger, right? If you big sloppy fat thumbs like me. Oh, listen! The amount of times that I text people and and the wrong words end up going down yeah, that, that it's line. Yeah, it drives me crazy. It's just embarrassing. And this is sometimes. why. And when when the BlackBerry boys back in Kitchener, we're in Waterloo, when they're kicking back, saying there's no way this touchscreen thing is going to work, that you need the raised keyboards. They didn't buy the fact that there would be massive use, that there would be complete adoption of the digital keyboard. They didn't buy it. Isn't that interesting looking back? I mean, it's super interesting looking back, but uh, it's, you know, it was such a good keyboard. It was such a good keyboard that when they changed it once, I think there was one model where they tried to change it a little bit. Um, the the amount of uproar was absolutely insane, and you know even to this day I have one BlackBerry left over that I kept, and I think it's a BlackBerry Classic, and I grab that every once in a while. I just I just type nothingness on it, like it doesn't even power on anymore, just to get that that feel again and remind myself how fast I was on it and how how productive honestly I felt like I was on that device. Even though nowadays, I mean, on an iPhone, I can, I can do so much more when it comes to work tasks yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I, I love the Apple, no question about it. Um, but that raised keyboards. Uh, so you think the BlackBerry could come back? I think it, I think that it's patent, one of the biggest that IP that intellectual property will come back one day.
It's one of the biggest business failures. I mean, Nortel was a classic tech failure, and the Chinese hacking with Nortel was unbelievable back in the 90s. But the BlackBerry belly flop is, you know, um, for the ages. They owned the market, and they lost it all. I mean, it's unbelievable. Can I mention some fun stuff that I saw at CES? Uh, Go ahead. Let's get back to CES. Will I I mourn where where, where I... (laughs) Black where, where Black still... and Decker, Andrew. Okay, this is going to be something yes, that'll help Black you more. Okay? Black and yes, Decker, yes, a three hundred dollar, a three hundred dollar yes. Bev vacuum. Uh, it's a Keurig shaped bartender. So you attach your bottles to it, <laughs> and it'll actually siphon the alcohol out and make your perfect cocktail. It is a cocktail making pod machine called the Drinkworks Home Bar. It's going to be three hundred dollars. Available soon. Love this thing. Love it. It's a bit nuts. People don't need help drinking. I'll, I guarantee you that. But you need help making the perfect drink if you're going to do it in the first place. Unless it, it, it's a good thing to go with the Requiem for the Blackberry. Yes, exactly. It's, it's so as you reflect upon there. the Blackberry's demise, you can have a Black & Decker cocktail machine mix your drink. Okay, what else do we have? The, uh, um, we are the seeing the introduction of a new technology called Matter, and Matter is going to be very important and interesting because it is going to unify all the smart home devices that we use. So if oh, you no. use a Google Home or an Amazon Echo and you use a light switch that's only compatible with one, but you use a lock that's only compatible with the other, all these are going to kind of merge together and are going to be a common platform over the coming years. We're starting to see the products come out of the woodwork and take on this technology, but it is a cooperation between Apple, between Google, between Amazon, and between all the companies like Zigbee that are going to make all these devices compatible, and that's going to be big news. It's going to mean that you're going to be able to automate things in your home or make things in your home that are smarter, and you won't have to worry about, you know, will it work with my device? Will it work with that device? It will all be compatible. Do we, do we need this? My, my toaster yes, has do. a chip. Why do we need it? Why do I need a chip in my toaster so you get the perfect my... perfect color on it's that not, toast yeah it's not it's no clearly you have the uh, wrong the, chip in the, your toaster the, the i have many wrong things now the internet of chips sorry the internet of chips the internet of things where everything has a chip is what is on the horizon the internet of things where every appliance you have is smart wired it is and listen is it, that a, it's it, not a good thing do we really need this it is. It is a, do we need it? No, I don't think we need anything. I don't think we need any of this stuff. But um, can it pose? Um, can it be a useful thing in our toolkit? I think absolutely. You know, if you're able to, oh, I forgot to turn the stove off, and I can, you know, get notification when I leave the house that I left the stove on. You're saving your home. You know, if I forgot okay, to turn the washer, the washing stove machine alerts on. One thing. Okay, so I mean that alert. is a connected device. That is the Internet yeah. of Things. If but you want, here, here, here's the problem with this. It's like. The, the I call it the principle of forced affluence, where even um, there are people that are homeless that have smartphones. Uh, like, you know, you're forced to have um, the barcode scanned on your phone for your vaccination in Ontario and elsewhere. I mean, everything's going to the phone. Um, you can still print that paper be, copy in Ontario. You're going you? to be forced to have the Internet of Things. Things that they're available as quote unquote options, quote unquote. Soon it's how things will be sold. You will have no choice about, with regards to paying for it. It's like what's happened to the car. But what happens if you're you know, forced, you know you're forced thanks. to buy 
the technological advents are forced upon you in the consumer world. But what about the fact that the benefits of it, which is that you can upgrade and you can get new features down the road that you wouldn't necessarily have been able to get out of the door? Do you really want your fridge and your stove and your TV to talk to one another? Absolutely. Really? I wanted to know when the commercials are coming up so it can brew that perfect beverage for me. So... Okay, so the marketers are going to know at 3.30 a.m. when you open your refrigerator, they're going to know because the can will be wired. They'll know what you're consuming, when, and how much. And they'll know they I'm know out of it, and they'll order it for already. me on Amazon. Before you finish the case. <laughs> well, you don't want to finish the Thank case. Thank you, you Marco Flalo. Sure Check out The King of Tech with your tech report weekends on Channel 167 Sirius XM. I assume this means we have a minute left with the music below. Is that correct? Oh, 30 seconds. Okay, thank you, sir. All right, you folks have a good one. Check out Mark Aflalo and your tech report. Talking about the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, in beautiful Las Vegas. It is over, but the brave new world is ahead for you. Check me out on Twitter, at Andrew Crystal with a K. See you tomorrow. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.